Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ought to see this sport behind the scenes right now. Here's uh, here's what sucks about this time of year. So much drama. It's signing day eve, by the way. So many things going on in the portal, and you get scoop, and then you're told, now keep that, keep that quiet, keep that quiet. We don't want to keep it quiet around here, but alas, we will honor our sources. Trust me, friends, nothing is settled going into tomorrow. And I cannot stress this enough. Nothing is settled. Your most secure verbal commits are one offer away from poof, just going up in smoke. And with that, Late Kick is live. We are jam-packed high atop a paranoid downtown Nashville, Tennessee, Tuesday night, December 19th, the year of our Lord, 2023. It's like Leo said, right before he won those tickets on the Titanic. Remember that, Colin? They're playing cards there in Southampton. And he said, this is it. Moment of truth. Somebody's life's about to change. As it turns out, his life was about to end. So tomorrow's stakes are not quite that high, at least I don't think. But man... People could lose their jobs or at least set themselves on a course of losing their jobs. Some people could set themselves up on a course of winning a national championship. National Signing Day, lock in for it. I got scoop on that. I got scoop on the transfer portal. Tough, tough week for the Too Many Bowls crowd. I mean, they're down bad after the the famous Toastery Bowl yesterday. Where were you when the famous Toastery Bowl reached its exciting conclusion yesterday? I have got... So many things to discuss on the show tonight. I opened the mailbag, and you guys took me all different kinds of directions. I got some OU Texas stuff, but also, you know, someone asked a question about which fan base, if they ever became elite, would be the most nauseating fan base to deal with in college football. I'm asking the question now because I want you to think on that for a little while. Take a fan base whose team is not elite right now, has not been elite for a while. They become elite. Who is totally insufferable? There were some usual suspects, and there were some surprising responses I got from you guys as well. So we're jam-packed. We are loaded. Also, I got six best bets at the end of the show. The Ramen Noodle Express is back in a big Christmas bowl-type way. They're watching us in Perry, Oklahoma, Gulf Shores, Alabama, Akron, Ohio, at Sugi, Japan. Got that pronunciation. Be sure you're following friends at Late Kick Josh. It's imperative for best bets. All sorts of stuff's about to happen over the next 24 hours. I mean, I'm going to be here for the National Signing Day show tomorrow, but make sure you're following. And that's not even to talk about the trips we're about to take to Pasadena for the semifinal, Houston for the national championship game. We got all that. And I got very exciting speakers lined up starting Thursday, right here. We're not going to have a normal show Thursday because Bradley and Colin need a Christmas break. Producer Jesse's already on one. He tells me he's down in Fort Lauderdale to work the signing day show. I don't have any evidence of that, though. So in lieu of live shows, Thursday, Sunday, next Tuesday, in lieu of all that, we got Joel Klatt coming on the show. I got Joe Tessitore coming on the show. I got Greg McElroy coming on the show, and I did not dodge the important questions you want asked. You want to know about bias against Florida State? You want to talk about SEC bias and ESPN? You want me to ask all that? I'm looking out for you. I asked it. I thought, I thought me and Clad had some really, really good stuff about the future of the sport. 
Uh, dare I say it will change the entire trajectory of college football. That is the bar that we have to clear Thursday. Anyway, uh, look forward to that later. As for now, I was going to lead the show with something else tonight, but you know what? Once yesterday happened, I thought there was no other runway that I wanted to take off on than this one. Colin, here's your end point. Brant hit me up, and Brant said, did you watch the glorious, famous toastery bowl yesterday from Brainerd, Minnesota? Oh, I watched it, Brant. I watched every second of it. This was Old Dominion versus Western Kentucky. I cannot promise you that either university will ever be in the show again, but they're going to be in the show right now, and I have a bigger point here. So, I am a believer, much like Andy Dufresne was in Shawshank. Andy wrote to Red, and he said, Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Well, in my world, bowls are a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Not even when you're down 28 zip, because that's where our boys from Western Kentucky found themselves yesterday. Tom Luganbill on the call. I'm afraid he's going to take a nap in the booth in the second half. It was so bad, and then it wasn't. And so Western Kentucky is down 28 zip. They score a touchdown out of boredom. They score a touchdown. And that's when the shot happened. Bradley, the associate, was texted a video earlier today, and it's from the iJosh because I did it the old-fashioned way. I literally put my phone up to the TV screen yesterday. There was a girl on the sideline. We have tracked her down. Her name is Kylie Jackson. She works in nutrition for Western Kentucky. She is now a friend of the program. Look at this energy. Look at that. That's down 28 to 7. That's as much life as I had seen on either sideline all day. That is caged animal mode. You don't even need to see it. If you're just listening on podcast, I want you to imagine someone who is pretending their entire life is on the line based on the outcome of this game. And she's just in nutrition. She's not even suiting up and going out there. Well, from that point, from that point in this game, they go on a 28-7 run. In fact, a 35-7 run total, and Western Kentucky wins the famous Toastery Bowl. And in the famous Toastery Bowl, when you win, Colin, could you run the B-roll in the latter portion again? When you win the famous Toastery Bowl, let me explain to you what happens. They bring buckets of toast on the field. You don't get this on Sundays. They bring buckets of toast on the field. Looks like it tastes pretty good. And they just shower the field. With real toast, like toasted bread, buttered toasted bread is all over the field. It was deep enough, it actually accumulated enough, that some guys did toast angels. It was very beautiful. So anyway, that happens, and then I slowly start to look at my DMs, and I realize a lot of you are picking up what I'm putting down, and I didn't even need to say anything about it. A lot of you said, hey, isn't this really good ammunition against the people out there, the casuals amongst us who say there are too many bowl games? Yes, it was, friends. You know this person, Casual Carl, and he walks amongst us, generally miserable throughout his entire life, but especially this time of year, as bowl season and the holidays approach, and he's got nothing else going on. He says there are too many bowl games. Uh, by the way, that's wrong. That's false. That's a lie. And secondly, Casual Carl, I find some irony in being the same guy who tells me, too many bowls have devalued bowl season. I know you've heard this before. Maybe you've trafficked in this argument. Uh, like Mima always said, smart people say casual things. Casual people rarely say smart things. You can decide which bucket you find yourself in. But I've always found it kind of interesting that some of the casuals who scream too many bowl games have diluted bowl season, and I don't like watching bowls anymore. Why? Again, because there are too many of them. Those folks look me in the eye with a totally straight face, and say, more playoff games will in no way dilute or devalue the regular season. That will not happen. So basically, we have partial economic principle that applies here. You see, over here in this compartment, yes, you cannot decrease the scarcity of something and maintain the value. But over here, not only can you decrease something and maintain the value, we're going to have more value. We're going to have more meaning on more games. And meanwhile, folks of my ilk just sit over in the corner just sit over by the garbage can. Like it's not even worth my time. But there are not too many bowl games. Now, if you want to argue their value has been diluted, be my guest. If you want to argue that they don't mean as much to you because more players opt out of them, I'm with you. I totally get that. But there's no way at 4.45 in the afternoon 
the more responsible minded amongst us have left work early and we're watching the famous toastery bowl and you're watching that ending. I mean, I was jacked. I was glued to that thing. I also happened to cash a Western Kentucky plus 28 and a half live ticket. And here's how sadistic I am. As I told you guys on Twitter, even though I had this thing more than locked up, I got Hilltoppers plus 28 and a half. I wanted the outright win because I want my guys to win. And I wanted Kylie Jackson to win. And she did. Um, very simple here. Simple protocol, okay? I've actually put it on paper. If you think there are too many bowl games, do the following. Don't watch. If you think the SEC schedule release was too long at two hours the other day, um, don't watch. And then let the rest of us enjoy our bowl season. Keep casuals away from December. It's always been my policy. It always will be. Happy to have you guys in. If you're watching live or if you're watching on replay, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video. I've got on a post-it on my finger right now that I need to remind you, big day tomorrow. National Signing Day is upon us. And we go live over on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. There is a huge internal push. The company has tried to mandate that I wear more than just the white t-shirt. Immense peer pressure on me to wear more than just the white t-shirt, which is the downside of going and doing those shows in New York. Once people found out that I do own more than this, they had the audacity to expect me to wear more than this. And um, I, I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't a little uncomfortable and turned off by the whole idea. But you know me, I'm nothing if not a company guy. And so we'll see. We'll see. I'm still undecided. I'm like a kid in the portal. I'm still very much undecided. I need, uh, I need some more information tonight. I, I want to see what they can offer me. What can this company offer me? What can management offer me? I mean, look, I've been to management's house. I've seen that garage. They've, they've, they've been blessed immensely down in that gated community. So what can they offer me in exchange for maybe, I don't know, tossing on a jacket on top of the t-shirt tomorrow? Let's talk about the transfer portal right now. What's going on at USC? Everyone wants to know this. Is USC in trouble? Is the program sick out there? First, Malachi Nelson, the former five-star quarterback, he's in the portal. Corey Foreman, just within the last couple of hours, formerly one of, if not the top players in the country, he's in the portal. Damani Jackson, former five-star DB, he's in the portal. So what's happening? Is this cause for concern? or maybe even alarm. Well, I know a lot of you like to hate on USC. I'm accused of being one of those people a lot. So it will greatly pain me, actually it won't at all, to let you know that this is not uh, a stage five crisis like it's being made out to be. I mean, Malachi Nelson, I'm just going to shoot you straight, was not about to play at USC. He was, he was a ways away from getting on the field for USC. He wasn't good enough to play for him. Uh, Corey Foreman, it was not an impact player for them. Now, if you want to go down the whole side road of why weren't they developed to the point where they were, not even my area of expertise, nor is it most people's who actually end up questioning that sort of thing. Uh, Damani Jackson, look, I'm not going to cast aspersions on any defensive player there because their entire defense needed an overhaul philosophically, maybe also personnel-wise. Here's what I'm telling you. I don't look at this in a vacuum. So Lincoln Riley went and fired his defensive coordinator and brought in a guy from across town at UCLA. And he had a press conference and Lincoln Riley said something that kind of went unnoticed. I thought it was a huge deal, as big as words can be. And he said, we're assessing everything. We're going to change everything about who we are. Everything, he said. You listen to that? And he talked about everything all the way down to practice habits and Philosophy around here is going to be defense first. Lincoln Riley said that, not his cousin, not his estranged sister-in-law. Lincoln Riley said that. Like Mr. Xbox, Mr. Hang 50 a game said defense first around here now. Well, I would imagine if he's serious about that, that coincides with a total philosophy shift. And if they're real about that, one of the first signs was going to be some of the really Nice-looking ornaments they brought in in prior classes were not going to have a home there anymore. This is actually a sign, to me at least, that what he said had a lot of validity to it. There's no guarantee it's going to work. In fact, Lincoln Riley's never done it that way. 
but other successful coaches have. So maybe he will be successful with that. But you can't just say, we're going to be different tomorrow. We're going to be different the next day. We're going to be, you don't just say it, guys. There actually has to be like tangible movement behind that idea. And in some cases, you got to show kids where the exit door is. I mean, th these dudes won't hurt to find other landing spots. But if they're serious about shifting who they are from a philosophical approach, a lot of those players weren't going to have a home there anymore. And that's how I take it. So it's not a crisis at all. If anything, I mean, if I'm wanting them to shift philosophy out there, it may even end up being a good thing. They brought in Will Howard, the quarterback from Kansas State. I guarantee you this, there won't be a scene in the Los Angeles Coliseum like he had against Iowa State his last game in Manhattan, Kansas. Half a foot of snow on the ground. Well, check that. There won't be a home game for USC that looks like that. I don't know what happens when they go to like Iowa City in November. And that brings me to my next point. They didn't have an option. They're going to the Big Ten next year. Do you understand how hideous it would be to watch Iowa play USC right now? Do you understand physically what they would do? That's, that is the high schoolers taking a field trip to the elementary school when it comes to um, a physical mismatch. USC's got to do something, and I think they are, and this is a side effect of it. It's not always the worst thing in the world when formerly highly rated players exit your program. Sometimes it's a necessary evil. Well, uh, by the way, just another thing to watch, signing days tomorrow, portal season still, what kind of player are they looking for right now? Another way to put that is, how much have the critical factors and critical traits they look for in players at specific positions changed since Lincoln Riley decided to go in a new direction? That's where rubber meets the road on this stuff. Next up, uh, huge news earlier today. Really big news. We've been waiting for it. It finally dropped. Evan Stewart former five-star receiver at Texas A&M, is in the transfer portal. This is a big one. This is an immediate impact guy. No matter where he lands, we think Alabama's going to be in this. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, there's some traction there. He's right up the road from Texas or down the road from Texas, uh, Florida State. So there are, there are usual suspect-type programs that immediately stand out. Evan Stewart would be, I think, a take at any of those places. I think that. I don't know that. He'd be a take at Pate State. Uh, here's the other thing you need to know. Sometimes when these highly rated kids go into the portal, you get word pretty quick, oh, he's going to go to the highest bidder. In fact, a lot of times that's the case in the NIL world. I'm not telling you Evan Stewart's about to go play for free, or Eva Stewart, as the uh, slider there said. I'm not telling you he's about to go play for free. I do not think this is going to take the take the shape of the bidding war that some other high-profile portal entries have taken. I'm going to put it to you like that. And so it's still early on. This just happened in the last few hours. But I would also fairly um, assume there's been some due diligence done already before he decided to enter his name there. So keep an eye on that. That's a big one. We're going to talk about it every day until he signs somewhere. Caden Green, that's the tackle from Oklahoma. Started six or seven games for him this year. Went in the portal He's landed at Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz is one of the talks of the sport right now. They've got a top 25 recruiting class, and then they're doing what they're doing in the portal. Uh, they got him from Oklahoma. They've flipped Toriano Pride. They didn't flip him. They got Toriano Pride out of the portal from Clemson a few days ago. That's a four-star corner. Marcus Carroll's a four-star running back. They got him as well. They have, they have taken what they did on the field this season – and they've done exactly what you always hope. You always hope on-field results will yield uh, forward-leaning portal and recruiting success. Well, it's happened. In, in both lanes, it's happened for Eli Drinkwitz. And I think just today, Courtney Crutchfield's a four-star wide receiver out of high school, out of Arkansas, got him too. So I don't think it's a secret anymore. The secret's out. But if you find someone that uh, is just kind of oblivious to this, buy all the stock in Missouri from them you can. Because that's a program, not a team, not a one-hit wonder. That is a program that's trending up. Oregon, same deal. The public, for example, with Oregon, sees that they just lost to Washington twice, and they laugh. They joke about Oregon. The staff just buckled their chin strap and went to work that much harder. You know they got Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback, out of the portal. 
They also went and got Dante Moore, just for good measure. You got some programs out there standing over a Salvation Army drum, ringing a bell, looking for any guy with his arms still attached to play quarterback for him. And then you got Dan Lanning and his staff saying, we got one, not good enough. Make it two. Let him fight it out. Who cares? So Dante Moore, who, who was the top quarterback in the last cycle, was at UCLA. He's now at Oregon. And Dylan Gabriel's like 37 years old, so he's got one more year to play. He's at Oregon. They may put together the best defensive line class in the country come signing day tomorrow. We're saying things about Oregon, in other words, even with how lofty they've recruited in the past, that we haven't found ourselves saying. So the jokes are valid right now. Couldn't overcome Washington. Got news for you. No one else could to this point either. Texas is going to have their hands full with them. They couldn't overcome Washington. It's funny. It's a punchline right now. Let's just, let's just keep an eye on the old ducks out there. Something tells me they're not going away. If anything, they're just going to get a little bit more in your face this time next year. Marvin Jones, talked about him, transferring from Georgia. The edge player there, he's headed to Florida State. That's not a surprise. We talked about that. That was our expectation. Number 20 overall player in the portal. They needed depth at that position. Big pickup from Mike Norvell. There is so much going on in the portal. I just, doing some digging early before the show. Uh, Walter Nolan, don't have a whole lot to say about him. I strongly lean Ole Miss. I'm like 90 to 95% Ole Miss there. Uh, A.J. Harris was the former five-star DB at Georgia. Went in the portal I still think Auburn. I haven't heard anything to sway me off that. Cam Ward, the quarterback from Washington State, who you know has taken visits. He, he went to Miami. You know, he's, he's been out there for a little while. I need to remind you, the NFL is also a possibility for him. Now, I don't know what kind of grade he's gotten back. I would imagine it's not first rounder. It would be a no-brainer that he's, he's going to play on Sundays. But FSU, Miami, like those are names that you hear a lot with him. No decision there yet. Uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson, you know, there's a lot of Auburn smoke there. I think uh, it got out that he took a trip to Kentucky as well. So there's some familiar names. There's some new names getting in the mix really seriously here. There are so many names to keep an eye on that it's impossible to wrap it all up in one segment. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What I will tell you is possible, no matter if you have put off or, dare I say, shirked your Christmas shopping responsibility all the way up until now, which is December 19th, Academy doesn't care. They welcome you. The last-minute shopper is welcomed at Academy. They might as well have a statue out front with those letters carved on the breast. A little bit too graphic there. Maybe just carve it on, like, the shoulder. You know, a nice little granite tattoo there. Bring me your late arriving shoppers. My shelves are full for you. And if you can't get here, this is probably not going to go on the statue. If you can't get here, academy.com also has you covered. I know that you probably saw earlier today, I, uh, I retweeted someone like I do pretty much every day who had stopped at an academy and then took a picture of their purchases and tagged me in them. I appreciate that. 
What you guys don't know, but you should know, is I take every one of those and I forward them to academy management, who, unlike our management, is kind of a blue collar, roll up your sleeves, dirt under the fingernails, just a regular, like we are. They love that stuff. And what they really love is inevitably, when you guys go to the checkout counter, you grab a patch of a pouch of Big League Chew. And the best thing about Big League Chew is it loses its flavor in like 10 seconds. We love it though. We love it. And because it loses its flavor, you're probably more likely to come back to Academy sooner for your refill than you otherwise would be. So it's a win all around. We appreciate Academy. They are imperative every day in our lives, but especially for your life this time of year, make sure you check out Academy Sports and Outdoors. All right, I didn't talk about Dylan Rayola yet because I'm going to talk about him now. He's going to He's going to get his own segment here for a couple of minutes, but this is not strictly going to be a uh, let's praise Nebraska segment. I'm going to hit on the Georgia part of this too. You guys, you guys ever go to the orthodontist? Do they give you these little tiny chapsticks? They gave me this at CBS up in New York. Uh, stuff's awesome. I almost look forward to low dew points. It's delicious too. So it finally happened. Dylan Riola whose name I had been mispronouncing for far too long. Five-star quarterback, he flipped from Georgia to Alabama? No, Florida? No, Ohio State? No, flipped to Nebraska. Matt Rule just, just rung the bell. He flipped to Nebraska. Oh, by the way, Dylan Riola flips from Georgia to Nebraska in the form of a poem that he allegedly wrote himself and released on the socials. It, as they say in this town, that ain't the way Hank did it. As I say, that ain't the way Meemaw did it. But I digress to each his own. Thought it was a C-plus poem, but it's an A-plus landing for Nebraska. Now, two things can be very true here. The first is, this is monumental. I mean, this is one of the biggest things to happen in Lincoln, Nebraska in quite a while as it relates to athletics. The other thing that could be true is Georgia will be just fine after this. And, uh, mm, this may not be the time for it, but there is coming a day where I need to have myself a nice little commentary on what schools choose to do in the form of NIL versus what they technically have the capability to do. That's for another day, because I want to celebrate Nebraska for just a second here. I have, as usual, a bunch of detractors, probably the same folks who think there are too many bowl games this time of year, who as soon as a kid makes a decision, their first thought is, what if he's a bust? Well, what if he's a bust? You want, you want to go down that road? I'll go down that road. What if Dylan Riola is a bust? What, what if he never throws a touchdown pass? Now, that would be extreme. But what if he isn't? I don't know. I think the sun will continue to rise there. Let's be more realistic. What if he's just an average player? What's the expectation for him at Nebraska? Are we talking about savior of program? Uh, Matt Rule equals Tom Osborne 2.0. Like, are we talking about that kind of expectation? That's not my expectation. I'm going to be a little more reasonable. I just want him to be the quarterback that starts for a team that becomes a respectable contender in the Big Ten. That's a little bit more modest, I know, than some of you guys in big red country are thinking. That's fine. I want you to have big expectations. That's great. I want to be reasonable about it so that Percentage-wise, I have a better chance of coming back later when he fulfills exactly what I expected, and I can shoot back at other folks who falsely inflated expectations and say, maybe that was the problem. Maybe that expectation inflation was the problem. Colin, we're going to use that. Expectation inflation. Um, I think you'll be okay there. I, look, I've watched him throw at Elite 11 just like the rest of our staff did. I thought he was um, a tinge overrated at the time, but he was the number one quarterback in the country, you know, so he can be overrated and still be one of the best players in the class. Give him a little time, and I think he'll be fine. The second part of this, and the reason I'm bringing this up in uh, what seems like a little bit of a negative light, is I want to go worst case scenario intentionally. Let's say he's average at best. This isn't just about landing a quarterback. Okay, at Georgia, he was a quarterback. Georgia doesn't have to worry about messaging. Georgia's not trying to rebuild anything. Nebraska is. From, from near the ground up, they're trying to rebuild something. This is as much about messaging as it is anything else. Do you know what it means to 95% of the college football public who doesn't follow this stuff as hardcore as you and I do to see a kid flip from Georgia to Nebraska at this position? 
You know what that means? You know what it means for Matt Rule? No matter what the mechanisms were behind the scenes, again, 95% of the public is ignorant of that. Do you know what it means for Matt Rule to be able to say, me, one, Kirby Smart, zero? Because that's what it looks like. That's not exactly what it was, but that's what it looks like. And messaging is everything here. This is essentially marketing, as well as talent acquisition for Nebraska. It was just one of those things for Georgia. It's just talent acquisition, bottom line business for them. That block G resonates coast to coast. Well, that N has not meant what it used to mean in a long time, coast to coast. I can, take, I can walk into Minneapolis International Airport wearing that G on my chest, and folks who don't even watch football know what it is. And, and even if they don't, they know more than just University of Georgia. They know University of Georgia, pretty good in football too, even though I don't watch. Dude, folks don't think that about Nebraska right now. And if you're under 40 years old, you have no awareness that they ever were anything in football. That's the truth. So any kind of, any kind of messaging win, you know, any kind of promotional win that you can get for your program, whether it comes with a five-star quarterback attached to it or not, is a big day for you. Um, now, let me say this about Georgia. Okay, so the reason I said they'll be fine is, number one, Kirby Smart's running the program. Should be the end of the segment. But let me add this. When we were out at Elite 11... I got to talk with every one of these kids. I got to watch every one of them throw, standing 10 yards away from them. Riola has the ball jump out of his hands. It's very obvious. He's got, he's got legs thicker than, than most guys that you would see at that level or beyond. He's just built a little bit different. Physically, he's a one percenter. They've got another kid committed named Ryan Puglisi. I also watched him, also spoke with him. I don't think that kid will take a back seat to many people. I know he's got four stars next to his name and Raiola's got five stars. That's okay. That's, that's well and good. Okay, we've seen a, a million case studies on this where four stars go on to be drafted in the first round. Uh, a four star is not a negative, by the way. Puglisi's just a little bit different cat. You ever grow up with, I'll, I'll give you an example, all of you can relate to. I'm not a big NBA guy, but one of the most impressive things I ever saw in an NBA game is when Kobe Bryant was guarding the baseline, and I can't even remember who it was, but that dude started to inbound the ball. And he goes in Kobe's face real quick with it. And Kobe doesn't even move. Matt Barnes. Uh, and Kobe doesn't even move. That is, that's like alien DNA. Humans are not wired like that. Puglisi's that kind of guy. I, I don't think that you'd get much reaction or flinch out of him if you put a ball in his face like that. Very cerebral, could take or leave the process, wasn't about the spotlight. Um, just, just a guy who uh, I trust in big moments. I trust him in big moments. Mechanically, maybe better than Riola. So I was talking to a couple of quarterback coaches yesterday about him. I, I told them what I thought, and they echoed it. Like, they've got a winner. They had two of them probably in this class. And now it just sorted itself out. And uh, you know what? If I was that kid, you know what I'd tell myself? I'd tell myself, they didn't want any part of me. And by them, I mean anyone trying to compete. They didn't want any part of me. And you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. Whatever you got to tell yourself to get yourself ready to compete. George will be just fine. If that's the quarterback of your future, your future will be just fine. And so will Nebraska's. See what I did there? It wasn't a winner-loser segment. It was just winner-winner. But I'm not going to say chicken dinner. I want to get to some questions here. I got a lot left. Hey, the Michigan scandal... There's a question about that in my pack here tonight. We got bold predictions going right and wrong. I've got six best bets for bowl season. I got a lot to get to. Uh, if you guys are watching live, that can't possibly be right. Hold on just a second. Okay, it wasn't. I mean, granted, I'd still like more than 500 likes on the video, but there was a typo a second ago. It said 70. Poverty numbers. Ugh. Uh, by the way, if you're watching, click that thumbs up button. Okay, Colin, do we have this question about Oklahoma and Texas? Yes, here we go. Let me take a sip from the chalice. Macon, Georgia. That's where this question comes from. Okay, so I know we're right in the middle of um, everything because it's December in college football. But I did want to address this. So Rip from Macon, Georgia hit us and said, which teams are most likely to deliver the first on-the-field Welcome to the SEC. It just means more upset moment for Texas and Oklahoma. My short answer is I don't know who's going to upset them first, Rick. That's my answer to your question. Allow me to now use your question 
as an excuse to say what I really want to say. What do you guys actually expect is about to happen here? I'm talking to SEC fans. I am not talking to a specific fan base. I'm talking to the crowd that chants SEC, probably because someone else is doing big things and your team's not good enough. What do you think is about to happen to Oklahoma and Texas? Because if I didn't know any better, I would think that both of these programs just got tossed on a wood chipper with broken legs and they're just awaiting the inevitable. And that is not what's about to happen. At least in my mind, it's not. This is not a situation where Texas and OU board the bus and immediately you just have to go all the way to the back and then work your way up. What's really about to happen is Texas and OU are going to board the bus, sure enough. They're going to get to about row two, three, four, five, somewhere around there. And then the driver is going to walk up to you and he's going to say, you're in their seat. And they're going to beat you on the field. And you're going to find out the hard way, oh, the SEC actually really isn't a team that you play on Saturdays. Kentucky is. Kentucky's sitting behind Texas and Oklahoma. Okay, the SEC is not a team you play on Saturday. South Carolina is. And as it stands right now, South Carolina sitting behind Oklahoma and Texas. Like I know there's, there's this really free-flowing ideology in the South right now because I live here and I have my whole life that Texas know you're about to get a lesson taught to them when they come in the SEC. Oh, there'll be an adjustment period. Yes, there absolutely will be for everyone. Because some of you are going to have to get comfortable with the idea that they walked in and then sat in front of you, and the net result is you're just a rung further down the ladder. But don't worry, because people you'll never meet in your life are going to get to cash a bigger check in exchange for them being in the conference. SEC, SEC, yeah. Um, it's about players, guys. So, so for those of you who think I'm wrong, it's fine. We got differing opinions all the time on this show. I'm happy to read the comment section, happy to engage. But I do want to know, for those of you who think this conference is just going to swallow Oklahoma or Texas up and they won't achieve at nearly the level they think they do, what's your reasoning behind that? There's not like magic dust that gets sprinkled all over every other program down here, but when they show up, there's none left. And it's just like a magical force field they can't break into. Tangibly, walk me through to a logical conclusion. What do you think it is this conference is about to do to them? Because I look at their rosters and I look at the group of players they have that makes up their team, and I think they're comparable with just about anyone over here. And the reason I think that is because they've got rosters full of kids that the big boys over here wanted. Bama wanted a lot of these players. Georgia wanted a lot of these players. The last three recruiting cycles, which makes up about 80% of these rosters right now, including the one they're about to sign tomorrow, Texas has been fifth, third, and fifth. Oklahoma's been eighth, fifth, and seventh. Take away Bama and Georgia. Who else is recruiting better than that? What, do you think that they're just lesser players that are artificially inflated? If they are, then Bama must have been in on it. Georgia must have been in on it because I look at their offer sheets and they were after some of these kids that Texas signed. You don't think, you don't think every school in the country wanted Kelvin Banks? Like you, you really think Xavier Worthy, kids like that, you really think they took Texas as the best of a lesser group of options? Are you serious? That's not the way this works. They're walking in here with premier players. That means they're going to have just as good a shot as pretty much anyone in the SEC of winning it. They will have to adjust. Every venue they visit, by and large, will be the first time they've been there. But you know what? Most of y'all haven't played in Austin or Norman either. I haven't even been to a game in Norman. And I know that's not an easy place to go. That's not an easy team to play. So I know that um, I, I got all the respect in the world for the SEC. It's the best conference in the country. What I'm saying is it's the best conference in the country because it's made up of some really good teams. Really good teams don't walk in and get swallowed up by it, guys. They, they may take another loss than they normally would because they're playing Ole Miss instead of playing Texas Tech, and the athlete is a little bit higher caliber. But by and large, they're going to give it back every bit as much, if not more, than they get it in this conference. And here's something else that'll happen. If there are, if there are threads of vulnerability woven into their programs, if there are threads of weakness woven into their programs because they hadn't been put in the oven that the SEC is, it'll take care of itself by being put in the oven. It'll take care of itself. 
I just think they're coming in here uh, moving a lot quicker, figuratively speaking, than it looks like they are from folks just sitting up in the stands. Next question. Oh, we're going to talk about this for the first time in a while. This ought not ruffle any feathers. Mm. Always got to take a sip from the chalice before we talk about Michigan and sign stealing. Bud Royster hit me and said, what made the Michigan signal stealing issue go away? Swept under the rug? Did Michigan steal first place in the playoffs? Well, what an ethics bomb that got dropped on us. I will tell you, I don't think they stole first place in the playoffs. I have people in my life who disagree with me on that. But I am my own man here. I don't think they stole first place in the playoffs. I also don't think it was a nothing issue. I think it was very significant. I just think uh, it is another one of those two things can be true sort of things. As for where the scandal went, well, nothing else popped up. You know, nothing else emerged publicly. There was no follow-up on the follow-up on the follow-up. The craziest part to me about all this is Central Michigan had the dude allegedly show up on their sidelines wearing recorder glasses, cameras, and um, they just, they went silent and they never said a word and they just waited it out. They just waited the storm out. They saw the hurricane coming. They were in the polygon and they said, all right, it's going to suck for a little while, but we're just going to take shelter. And they took shelter and the storm hovered, hovered, hovered. All right, nothing, moved on. And we never really got an answer on that. Uh, the second thing is, and this is on field, I think Michigan had this happen before the Penn State and Ohio State games to where all the scrutiny in the world was on them, and they went and won both of those games anyway. That's what removed a lot of the smoke. Had they lost to Penn State or had they lost to Ohio State, then I think they would have been judged really harshly, and I don't think they would have been in the playoff. But they didn't. They beat both of them. And there was a world's difference in judging undefeated Michigan versus one-loss Michigan. Like, the schedule didn't line up where this could have happened, but imagine if Michigan ended up being Bama, ended up being the team that was a one-loss conference champ. Well, Bama barely made it in. In a head-to-head -head resume like Michigan-Florida State, I think Florida State would have gone over them uh, because I, I think the committee, whether they said they would or not, I think they would have taken it into account. They weren't being left out with no losses. There was zero chance that was happening. Michigan, not Florida State. Um, also... The NCAA stuff is still there. Like, they're being investigated. That's not over. It's just that you haven't heard anything about it for a little while. I also think the Florida State college football playoff stuff in general took a ton of oxygen from this story. Because uh, you know as well as I do, there is a group of people who have, like, a passing interest in football games, but they love scandal and drama. And so that group was ecstatic when the Michigan stuff happened. The next biggest story in this sport was Florida State being screwed out of a playoff spot, if you want to call it that. And so the crowd that was just fixated on Michigan all of a sudden turned their attention to the Florida State drama. And I'm not saying that we didn't talk about it as well, but like we talk about all of the sport. There is one group of people who only talk about that kind of stuff. Well, their attention's been elsewhere. So to answer your question, it didn't go anywhere. I don't think it got swept under the rug. I mean, it's, it was out there. Like, everybody talked about it until they were blue in the face. It's just nothing else has come of it yet. And we'll see. We'll wait into 2024 to see what does come of it. They're watching us in Silverton, Oregon, Bonita Springs, Florida, and Beaumont, Texas. We appreciate you guys wherever you are. All right, this, um, this is not going to make me many friends. I'm going to try as much as I can to be cordial about this. But I did not know this was going to blow up like it did. Okay, so Derek from North Brunswick, New Jersey, hit us earlier and said, which college football fan base is a sleeping giant? As in, if their team was consistently good, the stadium atmosphere would be surprisingly electric and they'd be insufferable online. Now, I repackaged that question and I put it out there earlier and I just said, which fan base, if their team became elite, would be the most insufferable. Because to me, that was a more fun question. So Derek got us talking, and then I fanned the flames, and it turned into an inferno earlier today. 
And I had thousands upon thousands. I think we had over 10,000 replies on that. And when you combine it with quote tweets and all that. So Texas A&M won this thing by a mile. Texas A&M had thousands of replies in the affirmative. And you know what? I'm good. If Texas A&M ends up winning, I'm in. I, I am with them. I'm over there standing with them, and we're looking at the rest of you because I have carried the water for Texas A&M. Look, it's even maroon. This is the water I carry for A&M. It is maroon. That's not an accident. Well, actually, it, it kind of is, but it worked for the purposes of the segment tonight. I understand A&M as much as an outsider can understand A&M. What you guys think is weird and tacky and a little bit icky about A&M, I just love it. I've been out there several times for games. Love those folks. Hope Mike Elko kills it out there. But if you don't feel like I feel about A&M, oh, this is absolutely a slam dunk because those folks have been targeted a little bit more than most anonymous programs and most irrelevant programs have uh, because they have, dare I say or shall I say, some unique tradition and trappings around the program. And they have not forgotten. They've heard you. So you better believe it. You better believe it. I used to watch Double Dare when I was a, a wee tot. And they really took a lot of pride in putting pies in people's faces. Aggie pie. Don't know what it's made of. Lucha can send me the recipe later. Aggie pie in the face of the entire United States of America. The moment that they knock on the door of playoff status. The moment they win the SEC. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to happen. And so check. I agree with that one. Next up, Miami, absolutely Miami. Derek asked which fan base would be the most insufferable and which stadium environment would be the most electric. Now, Hard Rock Stadium is like a, a it's, it's nothing to write home about on most Saturdays. The environment in Hard Rock Stadium is nothing to write home about on most Saturdays. But if Miami's elite, it wouldn't be most Saturdays anymore. In this world where Miami is a playoff contender, what would happen is you would go from tens of thousands in there on a great day to one of the hottest tickets in town. Same thing that happens with USC football. It's just in these places, you better be really good. You better be really good. If you don't believe me on that, I want you to go back to like, I can't remember what year it was, 17 or 18. It was one of the Mark Richt years. They played Notre Dame, smoked Notre Dame at home. Place was sold out, absolutely on fire. I mean, they still tell stories in our business, the broadcast crew that was there that night, they still tell stories about how it was like going to another planet because you're so unprepared for a Miami home game to feel like that. That's not the Orange Bowl anymore. They're playing hard rock now. But it's possible. You just got to be really good for it to be possible. And secondly... I don't think I need to tell any of you. You know what? Maybe I do need to tell some of the younger generation what it's like when Miami is on top of college football, what it's like when Miami is in the conversation of being on top of college football. Those folks run their mouths like no other fan base in the country does. Again, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm not a Florida State fan or a Florida fan. I'm not a Clemson fan. Like I, I don't have to deal with them. I don't have to actually face them. I don't have to recruit against them. I just get to sit over here in my little lawn chair. And aside from Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, I just get to sit back in silence and watch. But I know, I know, folks in South Florida know, I know. Here's the other thing that's, I think, a little underappreciated about Miami. You think Miami home game and you think a lot of open seats. What you don't realize is it's the biggest sidewalk alumni base of pretty much any of the major programs out there. Now, we love sidewalk alumni at Pate State. I run a fictitious university. 100% of my alumni base is sidewalk alumni. That's translated to people who didn't go to the school but still root for the team. So all up and down the East Coast, from, from Miami to Charlotte to Roanoke, Virginia, to Washington, D.C., to Boston, to New York, to Philly, there are a lot of folks who are Miami fans. Some of them have never even been there before. Some of them have never been to a game. Most of them have never been to a game. But they're mid-30s to mid-40s. They grew up in an era where the U meant a lot. They now have disposable income, by the way. Uh, Miami moves the needle, man. Hey, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. They're playing Rutgers in this bowl game. 
Because there are a lot of folks in the New York, New Jersey area that are Miami fans because they don't have any other college football allegiance. So that, that Miami needle moves a little bit different than a typical, you know, remote college football type program's needle moves. What about Michigan State? This one probably comes out of left field for most of you. Michigan State has about as uniquely active a Twitter base, a social media base, as any program out there. You don't see them featured a whole lot in the main spotlight of college football. Michigan's taken up a lot of the energy in their state right now, in their conference, and it's Michigan-Ohio State. The country does not get fixated on Michigan-Michigan State. As you could expect, they hate that. They despise it. And they just got Jonathan Smith as their new head coach. And if they ever reascend, like they briefly did a couple of years ago, yeah, they'd be over-the-top obnoxious. That dynamic's kind of like Auburn-Alabama. You got one program, Michigan and Alabama, that are, are big, like, tier one national brands. Then you got another program whose brand is a lot more regional in nature, but they always know if we fulfill our obligation and if we maximize our potential, we're good enough to compete. And Auburn has shown that against Alabama, and Michigan has shown that, or Michigan State's shown that against Michigan, and the fan bases act accordingly. So, yeah. And I've been, I've been up there when they beat Michigan, man. Yeah, stadium, stadium environment, check. I buy that. Obnoxious fan base online, if they went, check. I buy that. The one I don't buy, but so many of you suggested, is Tennessee. A lot of you said Tennessee. A lot of you said Tennessee folks are the most obnoxious, and if they ever become a legit national championship contender, this would be insufferable. I may have to take a break from the sport. And I just don't think I'm in a good enough position to talk about this. I don't think it's fair. You know, I, for example, I'm going to tell the story one more time, aren't I, Colin? Yeah, I participated in such activities as carrying a goalpost out of Neyland Stadium last year. I participated in taking video of chunks of sod that were pulled right up out of the ground when we went back in the stadium after the Bama game to do our postgame hit on CBS. Oh, I love Tennessee. I love it over there. I didn't grow up here. I grew up down in Georgia. Um, everybody down there hates Tennessee. Even the folks across the river hate Tennessee. Well, I, I got no problem with Tennessee. I am not a huge fan of the song Rocky Top. And I've warned you guys that whenever they do emerge back on the national scene, and that song is constantly blasted into the college football public's ear, there are a lot of people who are indifferent on Tennessee that will grow to hate them just because of how consistently they play that song, which again is not in my top 50 either. So like Rocky Top can be an assault on the senses when Tennessee's good. But I just don't feel the way about them that you guys do. A lot of you had a lot of animosity in your hearts when you typed this earlier today. I know because some of the corresponding language that you included with Tennessee is not fit for air. It's a family-friendly show. And those were not family-friendly replies. Now this one, this last one here, this one came out of nowhere. I, you could have given me like 20 guesses. I would not have mentioned this program. So again, we're looking for fan base that would be totally obnoxious, stadium environment that would be surprisingly elite if the team was in the national scene. Maryland? Maryland? But the more I dug, the more I saw people mention Maryland. So I got to go word of mouth on this. I have it on semi-good authority, that back when Maryland was good and they were still in the ACC, their folks were some of the most insufferable to deal with in the Frisian era. They were some of the most insufferable to deal with in the entire conference. I have no idea if this is true. Okay, back then, my only interaction with Maryland football was the dude in Wedding Crashers who yelled, crab cakes in football, that's what Maryland does. That's it. That's all I knew about Maryland and our buddy Tani who used to work here. Those are the only things I know about Maryland. Um, but apparently, some of you in the past were rubbed the wrong way, and the last thing you want in this world is Maryland to reemerge as a national player. So I don't know if I can take your word for it, but that's all I have to go on, because Maryland was mentioned like 20 times, and I thought, do they get we're talking about football? Like, I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. So, I mean, in the name of Scott Van Pelt, I'm moving on. I'm not going to dunk on a Terp that I've never met before. I can't do that. Bold prediction time. Not, not futuristic bold predictions. No, no, no. Those are 
Those are a crapshoot. No, what we like to do on this show is we like to take ourselves out of the spotlight. We like to let you make the bold prediction in August, and we just get to sit here in December and talk about who was right and who was wrong. The first one has to do with the Heisman. And it was from Columbus, Georgia, our buddy Chuck Williams, actually. He said, uh, Bo Nix going to be a Heisman finalist. But see, that's not all Chuck said. He said Bo Nix and Peyton Thorne will both be Heisman finalists. Friends, humbly, respectfully, there was never a time in the preseason, during the season, or up until this moment where Peyton Thorne and Heisman Trophy were going to be mentioned in the same breath. Bo Nix had no problem with it. And, and for, the, for the best interest of Chuck, I wish he would have stopped there. But Peyton Thorne was, uh, was not the best quarterback in his own state. Peyton Thorne, for the record, it should be noted, is, is Hugh Freeze's guy. Apparently, he is going to be the quarterback 15-9. to 9, Touchdown to interception ratio last year. He's the one they're going to ride with. Hugh Freeze knows more than I do. I think a lot of what they're doing down there is kind of, you know, taking the NIL resources that would be dedicated towards a quarterback and they're just kind of distributing that elsewhere. It's why Auburn's going to make noise on signing day tomorrow, by the way. You didn't hear it from me. Next up, Daniel said Nebraska, Matt Rule, will have the best record among teams with first-year head coaches. I was skeptical of this. And I was right to be skeptical. Jeff Brom went to Louisville and went 10-3. and three. Matt Rule went to Nebraska and went 5-7. and seven. And it's better than Rule's first years elsewhere. We all, we all know year one has traditionally been a very rocky start out of the gate at various places for Matt Rule. So 5-7 and seven wasn't terrible. And he just, he just went and got Dylan Raiola. So he's got his quarterback. And they got a lot, a lot of energy up there right now. But Jeff Brom went to the ACC championship game in year one at Louisville. So, yeah, that one was not all that close. How about this next one? This is tough. I mean, this is a tough scene. Oh, the Dorito Bandit from Greenville, South Carolina, famous in those parts, he said, oh, this is tough. Both Michigan and Alabama will miss the playoffs. Well, Michigan and Alabama missed the Sugar Bowl. The problem is they're playing in the other semifinal game. I don't know what more we can say. I tried to get licensing for the prices right. Boom, 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 boom. We couldn't get it. So you have to settle for that. Um, this, this, was, this was rough. This is rough. But if you're going to miss, miss bad. And this is missing bad. Not only do they make it, they face each other in the playoff. Now, this next one was... This next one's a perfect example of how bold predictions should be handled. The entire thing looks like one of Bradley's t-shirts. The lettering is in Japanese. I have no clue what this says. But the prediction was college football playoff teams will be from four different conferences. Washington, Pac-12, rest in peace. Texas, Big 12. Bama, SEC. Michigan, Big 10. And Florida State was fifth, and they're from the ACC. So we had perfect distribution amongst the Power Five conferences. Excellent prediction. Your name was written in Japanese. I have no clue who you are, but excellent job. And I, uh, I don't think that was all that bold, but it was bold enough to make it on the show, apparently. So that's how bold predictions went. Chapter two of our revisiting bold predictions. Okay, we got to get down to business here before I give you these best bets and we get out of here. See this bright white and blue beautiful ad just off my right shoulder. That is FanDuel, and that is where you need to be going right now if you want to responsibly, keyword, all caps, responsibly cash in a little bit this bowl season. You know, don't be the dad who has to say, well, Christmas will come next year because you were irresponsibly betting money that you weren't supposed to be betting because you didn't have it to bet. But if you have a few shekels set aside and Christmas is already paid for, then Let's take a look at some games here, okay? We've got, you got future odds out there if you want to bet them. All the bowl games are on the board right now. And with that in mind, brought to you by FanDuel, the Ramen Noodle Express Bowl Edition is right here for all to see. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. 
First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Here are the games we're taking. I'm not going to break these down. It's not worth it. These are model-based plays and we are going to ride the model to prosperity this bowl season. Georgia Tech, plus four and a half. That's the first one. James Madison, minus two and a half. Bowling Green, I'm going to give you plus four. There is a plus four and a half out there, but it's not widely available, so plus four. North Carolina, waited for this line to move. It's all the way up to six and a half. We're going to take UNC plus six and a half. Et- Hold on a second, Colin. What is that? Oh, we're betting SMU. SMU minus 10 and a half. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, Oh, also Miami minus one. So six games, and this is just through the 28th, which is when we'll do our next live show. Georgia Tech plus four and a hook. James Madison minus two and a half. Bowling Green plus four. North Carolina plus six and a half. SMU minus 10 and a half. And Miami minus one. Uh, Quick Word to the wise, we want to bet all these the same. Don't be betting any more or less than you did during the season. Immunity to this. Keep your unit size the same during Christmas as it was during October. Be responsible, and let's have good money management, and let's close and keep our eyes on the prize here. Appreciate you guys so much. Uh, remember, we're out. It. We got National Signing Day tomorrow. But as for us, as for this show, our next live show will be nine days from now right here from Nashville, Tennessee. In the meantime, I'm not leaving you high and dry over Christmas. I know some of you don't particularly look forward to this time of year because either, well, for whatever reason, maybe you don't look forward to it. Oh, I'm going to at least have you some content. We got Joel Klatt coming on Thursday. We will upload that interview in its entirety. It's like an hour long. I got Joe Tessator Sunday. Great conversation with Tess. Big friend of the program. Greg McElroy next Tuesday. All of those conversations are 45 minutes to an hour. We touch on a ton of stuff, really good, uh, really eye-opening. It's not the usual filler stuff that you would see. So I got down to the stuff I knew that you wanted to hear those guys and me talk about. I think you'll really like it. Uh, do me a favor, just on your way out, subscribe to the channel or the podcast if you haven't already, and thumbs up. That's a Merry Christmas, and you can give it to us free of charge. Did you know that Jesse didn't produce this show tonight? Just a little golf clap, little golf clap because I haven't reviewed the film yet for proxy producer Bradley, known as Bradley the Associate around these parts. Uh, Director Colin just lives in that chair, never leaves the building. Appreciate him and appreciate you guys. All right, we are out of here. National Signing Day tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central over on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Until then, take care, watch those commits, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.